Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. In the Gun, episode 139 here of ITG, your new favorite WVU football podcast. I'm Wesley Euler alongside the signal caller, Jed Drenning, for this edition of ITG. And as always, you know that we are brought to you in part by our friends at Bet Online, where the game starts. We got some portal stuff to hit. We've got a just a, a landscape changing day across football in terms of coaches retiring, particularly one in collegiate football who has some West Virginia ties. Uh, we will discuss what was just a, a crazy kind of 24 hours of Nick Saban, Pete Carroll, Bill Belichick all retiring, getting fired, all different kind of moving on to an advisor role in Pete Carroll's case, all leaving, though, their head coaching positions at their current location. A, uh, a crazy, like I said, last day or two across the coaching landscape and kind of the uh, the godfather of college football and Nick Saban moving on. We'll have a special guest to discuss that with us a little bit later. But, Jed, before we get into all of that, it is right for us. We, you know, this is the time where, you know, every episode, every other episode or so, we kind of give some portal updates, moving and shaking. This is obviously a big time of the year for that. Uh, some names, uh, some exiting Mountaineers that we had been keeping an eye on. Jared Bartlett, he ends up, we're going to see him again in the Big 12 at Cincinnati not going too far away. And then Tommy, uh, we knew he would have a, a nice market, and he ends up with the reigning ACC champion Florida State Seminoles. Heading south is big Tommy down there to uh, to Tallahassee to be a Florida State Seminole. So a couple updates for you there. Those are the outgoings, Jed, and I know you've got some some information, some thoughts on some of the incomings as well too. Yeah, a couple critical pieces uh, incoming, one on the offensive side, one on the defensive side. Um, this is going to be, as you touched on, ongoing. It will slow down, of course, uh, but roster management is going to be a 12-month proposition. I mean, the window is going to reopen. The portal window, there'll be a whole lot more talent pumped into it in May in that window. Yeah. But in the meantime, yes, the window is closed, but you still have all these free agents dangling out there looking for destinations. Now, there's a couple timelines involved. One timeline being, can you get them enrolled in time to be part of spring semester? If you can't, all the better. But even if you can't, there'll still be some additions to the roster. Uh, pr I promise you in May, there'll be some changes on just about every roster in America. So yeah. stay tuned. But the two that I'd like to talk about, big offensive tackle, uh, homegrown offensive tackle, South Charleston product, Xavier Bosley was a redshirt freshman for Coach Rodriguez down at Jack State. Uh, and we, we've talked uh, quite a bit this year about what a tremendous year Coach Rod and those Jack yeah. State Gamecocks yeah. had. Well, Xavier Bosley was a critical piece of a top five rushing attack in the country down there for Coach Rodriguez and Rod Smith, the offensive coordinator. Big kid, 6'5", 310 pounds, uh, earned freshman All-American honors. I mean, that says something in itself, but just incredibly productive, wanted to come back home, had dreams of playing for the Mountaineers, remembers the Pat White, Owen Schmidt, Steve Slayton teams. Uh, so it's a cherished opportunity for him. So we landed one heck of a football player that's coming back home again, played for, for Donnie Mays down at South Charleston. When I say South Charleston now, maybe that has a different meaning in people's minds, that team getting smacked every Friday night. They, that poor program has withstood some very challenging times. But when, uh, when Xavier Bosley was playing there, it was a different animal. And uh, he is a heck of a football player. He's expected to compete 
at that right tackle spot. We'll see how this unfolds. But you're going to have some options. Big Johnny Williams. Uh, we talked about all the things that Nick Malone did for us last year. He's now a battle-tested veteran grinder. So you're going to have some options. And he makes an already deep offensive line room even deeper. We talked this year, Wes, about one of the critical things about that offensive line wasn't even just the front five. It was the fact that we went seven deep without missing much uh, at all. And, and you want to get back to that this year, and it's going to take some quality bodies in there. And then on the defensive side, there's a kid that I am incredibly excited about, T.J. Jackson. This kid was at Troy. Now, everything that he does won't surface on the stat sheet. For instance, he was far more productive on the things that you can measure on paper two years ago than he was last year because some of the opposing offenses kind of wised up and schemed to his strengths. Uh, but this is a kid that over the course of the last two years has 61 pressures. Now, I think the reason he kind of slid under the radar, uh, he's somewhat limited in size. He's 6'1". He was listed at 262. But, Wes, trust me when I say he's probably 270, 271 right now. And I would say by the time we get into the Penn State game to open the season, he'll be 280-plus, maybe 285 after offseason with Mike Joseph. He's twitchy. Uh, he's a leader in the locker room. He's fiery. He's emotional. Uh, he is an incredible addition with tremendous upside. And again, adding critical pieces to that defensive line. You want to forge some competition in that room. And the level of productivity we had with a very deep group last year, you want to see what you can do to enhance that this year. So two key names, two critical pieces, both at the point of attack, both big bodies, one on offense, one on defense. Very happy about those additions since the last time we talked. Yeah, absolutely. And and I love the way you lay that out. And those sound like they are uh, are welcome additions, certainly, and um, in a couple different areas as well, too. And so that's kind of where we stand here today. You know, it's, it's Thursday, January 11th, as Jed and I record this. It'll be Friday the 12th when this drops. As Jed has mentioned, there will still be a lot of moving and shaking, uh, both with this you know, portal window here and then again in the spring. So all of this is is far from finished, far from done, but that's kind of where we stand currently as we, uh you know, roll through and, and head towards the middle of January here. Another thank you to our friend JR and our friends at Toothman Ford. We all know cars cost less than Grafton. They support us. They support our student athletes with NIL. So make sure you're getting your butt to Grafton for all of your vehicular needs. Big thank you to JR and to the good folks at Toothman Ford. Yeah, Jed, we are uh, we are going to be joined here in just a minute by Bo Orlando, WVU Sports Hall of Famer, who played for Nick Saban in the National Football League. So pretty cool. Uh, the guy that we're going to get a chance to talk to here, Bo, he's got the WVU ties. He's got the Nick Saban ties. We'll have a fun conversation with him. And what was just, I mean, Jed, I... I don't know if I remember something like this. Or you always hear the old adage is like always these things happen in threes, right? Like when somebody when someone passes away, well, these things happen in threes. I mean, Pete Carroll, Nick Saban, Bill Belichick, all within about 24 hours of each other. And again, all different, some retiring, some moving on, some moving into advisor roles like Pete Carroll. But man, I mean, you want to talk about just three guys that have won championships that have been a fabric of the sport at every level for decades. What a, uh, man, what a week so far for, for the game of football at, at the highest levels. Absolutely. Uh, 
and, and it almost feels as though Pete Carroll's the bridesmaid this week, right? I mean, what, what funny, a terrible week funny, he picked. Funny, funny how that but, works. Yeah. Very quick aside, we're a little tardy on this. I've been meaning, and this is on me, for a couple episodes to mention this, and then we're going to fully jump in to Coach Saban. Uh, we had our bowl pick competition. You submitted your picks. I submitted my picks. Yes, Skyler submitted that's right. Picks. Yeah, thank now, you. We'll I knew Owen. it was something else I wanted to we'll hit on We'll have Owen explain what he submitted. <laughs> but I, so here, here's how it played out very quickly. I actually won something. Uh, I hit 28 oh, that's, out of that's why you. That's why you wanted to shoe that, shoehorn that in here. Yeah, which we might. <laughs> matter of fact, I might text Bo and say, we can't bring you on tonight. I have some talking to do about this. You finished number two. You were 25 out of 42. Skyler comes in at number three, 24 out of 42. And now, and again, I'm going to need to ask him. I don't really know how to rank what he sent me. <laughs> he was a busy man over the Christmas holidays. So I think he was at the wheel of his UPS truck sending me this email. But uh, anyway, that's how that played out. But yes, Coach Saban, on one hand, I'm surprised. But on the other hand, all indications should point to something like this being a possibility, right? I mean, it seemed possible for the last couple of years. And he, you know, he made some remarks today, and I thought it was kind of telling. And I was like, that's a very fair point. One of the things that he mentioned, he said, look, it got more difficult in recent years. People would always want to ask, and this happens when a coach gets up there in age, and that's some, why sometimes things catch up to him. It happened to Bobby. People want to know if you're going to be there in five years. Hey, if I sign with you, are you going to see it through? Or are you going to be there three, four, maybe even five years down the road? Are you going to be part of this? He said, it got more difficult for me in good faith to say yes. So that impacted a lot of the things that he was doing. And to me, that makes absolute sense. He said, the grind, he said, at the age, he said, it's not my health, it's just my age. It's uh, the grind at this age just wore on me more this year. I felt I had to do harder coaching this year. And I think, I think that's a fair point because in my estimation, based on the limitations he had by the standards he's established, we talked about the deficiencies of that offensive line, a more turnover-prone offense. They, they had some issues. He found a way to get them almost to the promised land despite those shortcomings. So this was, to me, one of his more impressive jobs of coaching. And there's no way that this wasn't on some level coordinated, the step down with him and the lifelong friend, Bill Belichick. And, and uh, But I'm, I'm happy for Coach Saban. It, it's, and you know what? Here's what's going to be crazy. As we see these possible candidates emerge, uh, I mean, it started right out of the gate. So that tells me, look, Nick Saban's not the kind of guy who ambushed his department with this, his AD with this. He kind of let him know it was right, coming. Right. Uh, they were in position to be prepared to at least try and do something about it. That's why you had Dan Lanning in town the day after the announcement was made. I mean, that wasn't because a conversation took place 20 minutes after Nick Saban made the announcement. And here comes Dan. No, this 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 was kind of in the works. Now, when I can't play, I don't know. I can't place a timetable on it, but I don't know. Has Dan Lanning officially turned it down? He, I mean, but according that, that, to his according to his Twitter account, he put out like a hype video of him staying and accomplishing things that you want to where you're at and this and that. And why would I want to be anywhere else other well, than Eugene? So that's just it. Looks it, like he's staying. That leads to the larger point. I can't imagine if you have a job like Dan Lanning has and you have Phil Knight and his full support out there in Oregon, you're joining the Big Ten and you have a chance to potentially become Oregon's Nick Saban. Why? Would you even contemplate the possibility? How much money would it take? Because yep. any of these candidates who are sitting in a good situation, look, the reality of it's this. The game in which Nick Saban won those six national championships at Alabama no longer exists. How many times have I said it? That was college football 1.0. 
This is the portal era. This is the NIL era. We talked about Alabama lost four studs that were freshmen on their offensive line in last year's portal cycle. Three four-stars and a five-star. That's why their O-line struggled this year. So even the resources at a place like Alabama are strained when you're trying to keep a roster together. Whereas five years ago in the pre-portal era, sure, you, you kind of cornered about the market on talent. You had the two best players at every position in the country in some cases, right? right? right. I mean, you could tap Tua, Tua on the shoulder and say, hey, Tua quarterback. You had Tua, Jalen Hurts, and Mac Jones all on the same roster. Two, yeah, that, that's two we're not first round, that two so, first round picks and a second round pick. So in other words, I, I think it's this. It's like if you're playing checkers, you think, well, People found a way to replace Bear Bryant ultimately with Nick Saban to make you happy. But if you're playing chess, you you recognize the differences between replacing Nick Saban right now in this 2.0 versus replacing Bear Bryant when the game was the same. It's not going to be the same, but the expectations are. So I can't imagine taking that on. I tell you what, if I'm Alabama, and I'll close with this, toss back to you. And then we'll break and we'll bring Bo in because I'm dying to hear Bo's thoughts on this and just some Nick Saban stories because I don't know if you guys have heard much from Bo Orlando through the years, just sitting or interviews or Bo can take over a room and light it up. All right. It's it's going to be cool to have Bo be able to talk about, uh, you know, a football deity like this. But if I'm Alabama, I was going through my mental Rolodex today asking, is there anybody that I think all things considered could handle? What needs to be handled at Alabama to even make a run? You're not going to hit his success rate. He didn't. He wasn't hitting his own success rate the last couple of years. So whoever takes over is going to encounter the same challenges Nick did the last couple of years, which is why he didn't win a championship. The portal and NIL change things even for Alabama. Yes, there's advantages, but with it come disadvantages. The person that I think is most qualified, and I saw some numbers. I'll get to the name here in a minute, but I saw some numbers on Twitter. It talked about when Nick took over at Alabama, 75% of the student body was from Alabama. Yeah. Right now it's 50% because they cut it off at 50%. They want half the state to half the school to be from the and from the state. Right. And you're talking about the tuition being three times more for out of state. So in theory, even though Nick Saban made a hundred and some odd million dollars during his time at Alabama, they could have paid him a billion. They've stratified out what Alabama earned from Nick Saban. If they paid him a billion dollars, it would have still been a heck of a bargain. So if, in fact, those numbers have merit, and if, in fact, the success of the football program at the University of Alabama can increase your your coffers that much, I might pick up the phone. Call. Bill Belichick. No? Good guess. <laughs> I mean, everybody else I can think of has had success, but you haven't had success and been asked to handle all this massive weaponry and handle the mentality of, of the ultimate blue blood locker room and not making them think they're that good and, and succeeded in recent years in the portal era or come close to. You know who I'd, I'd, I'd make an outrageous offer to Kirby Smart. I had a You're a Georgia guy. We're going. I would pay you $25 million and make me say no. Because you know what? At the very least, I'm going to make Georgia pay you stupid money to keep you. Because that is as close as I'm going to get to a guarantee to having even a chance at the run of success. Now, Alabama is yeah. going to keep winning. Don't get me wrong. Alabama is going to keep winning. They're going to keep being a factor. They're even going to win some national championships. But if you accept, expect, expect the next guy to jump in and win six titles in X amount of years, no. 
that might be too tall of an ask in this new it's era. Like, it's like Jed. It's like the the Lake the Lakers won championships after Phil Jackson, but not like they did with Phil Jackson. Exactly. They're going to yeah. continue to win, but that level. I think we've seen the end of it. That level of six titles in that many years and nearly a couple more titles during that run, it might just be too tall of an ass. The expectations aren't going to change, but the game around those expectations absolutely has changed yeah. at the most yeah. basic and fundamental of levels. Kirby, in my estimation, would and I don't think Kirby would lead Georgia, but that's a guy who can recruit the South. That's a guy who can handle the mentality of a locker room like that. That's a guy who's part of Alabama's success. He hasn't just won, but he's won dealing with the same things that Nick's been dealing with. Right. The other right. guys that I look at who have won haven't had to deal with that. That's a different ask. And I don't know that that's going to happen, but I kind of think it would be fun to watch. But now you have the possibility of, I mean, who would make a better football college football commissioner than Nick Saban? But back to you. Geez, Jed, you threw about 37 different things at me and then back to you. I mean, not to, you know, not to keep me on pins and needles here, but no, I, listen, I, it's funny that whole build up. I'm thinking, all right, well, he's got to be going Kirby smart with this. Cause that's the only person that meets all his criteria. Um, I'll tell you this right now, though, if I'm Kirby smart, if I'm Dan Lanning, if I'm Dabo Swinney, if I'm anybody that's been floated around this job, I don't want it right now. I don't oh. want to be the guy to follow oh. the guy. I think that's a big part of it, too. I think Dan Lanning's maybe looking at this thing and saying, you know what? In the next two or three years, I'll win a national championship here at Oregon. Alabama will be looking for another head this. coach. And then I don't want to be the guy to follow the guy of guys. First of all, he is the guy of guys. Right. Right. And it's not the same game you're coaching that he was. Well, but the that's how, I mean, thing. Kirby Smart's not coaching that same game now. Dan Lanning's not, co or, you, you know what I mean? Those guys are all in it, in it now. Um, but and I get what Kirby's you're saying with the one. with the with the advantages that Alabama used yes. to have. I mean, Alabama yes. still has advantages over most schools, but yeah. I think that gap has narrowed a little bit over the last few yes. years. So I do get what you're saying there. So let me ask you this real quick before we go to break. Yep. Over under 2028 before Alabama wins another national championship. Oh, I hope it's over because I'd certainly like them to be sagging when we play them in 26 and 27. <laughs> Uh, that's my thinking for my own selfish reasons. When they come to Morgantown in 26 and we go to Tuscaloosa in 27, boy, I'd like to see him struggling even by their standards. I'll take it, but, uh, I'm going to go, I'm going to go over. I think they'll win. I think they'll win a national championship again in the next decade, but I like, it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's yeah. going to take, and, and they'll and be listen, in the hunt. They'll Jed, absolutely be in the they'll, hunt. Yeah. They'll go like next year, they'll go 10 and three and they'll act like it's some massive disaster. You know what I mean? Like... Here's the catastrophe that I'm, I'm fearful of, Wes. You're about to see the greatest mass exodus in talent we've ever seen. In this era of the portal, it's a free fall. They have 30 days, anybody on the roster with a free pass to go wherever they want, the yeah. highest bidder. That's yeah. going to happen in large measure. I don't care who the coach is. You can only retain so much of that, right? Now, my my issue is going to be this. When that next window opens, there's going to be just as strong a surge from Alabama to maybe even metal and steel from other rosters to supplant that. It's going to be chaos for the next handful of months, I think, in part because of this one program. We've never seen a level of talent, a mass exodus like this from a talent standpoint that's just up for grabs overnight, tossed into the talent pool. It's going to be insane. Insane, but you're still... Now, people have asked, well, hey, is West Virginia have their eyes on any of those kids? Look, we have our eyes on all those kids. But are we going to break the bank to pay them what it's going to take to land them? Sure, Just like sure. the Texas A&M kids. If you sign one of those kids, 
that's going to take a quarter million dollars to make a run at it. Who knows what it might take in today's market, right? But anyway. Well, we're going to talk to somebody who knows jolly old St. Nick very well. WVU Hall of Famer Bo Orlando will join us on the other side. You are in the gun. Nobody supports the Blue and Gold Mountaineers like Toothman Ford. With over 20 NIL deals and counting, Toothman Ford continues to rally behind our student-athletes. And it's time we rally and support the dealer that supports the Mountaineers. Not only does Toothman Ford offer the best prices in the state on pre-owned, their never-over MSRP campaign on new Fords guarantee to save you thousands. Drive with pride all season long, knowing you're supporting the dealer that fuels our Mountaineers. Toothman Ford, where cars cost less. In Grafton and at ToothmanFord.com. For more West Virginia Mountaineer football content, be sure to follow us on Twitter at In The Gun Podcast. For nearly 20 years, Fortis has been the nation's leader in providing guaranteed roof performance programs for commercial buildings. Fortis offers roof performance solutions that feature extensive initial and ongoing reconditioning for commercial buildings as an alternative to traditional replacement with long-term performance guarantees that are backed by global leader Lloyds of London. Fortis offers a comprehensive range of roof performance management programs that provide financial security, extend the life of our customers' roofs, and make a significant impact on ROI. Fortis is currently improving performance and increasing ROI for customers at more than 4,800 locations, with more than 140 million square feet protected, including many Fortune 500 companies that have turned to Fortis to save money, gain financial certainty, and extend the life of their existing roofs. Fortis has helped customers save more than $520 million in capital roof replacement costs for an average ROI of over 250%. To learn more, visit fortis.us.com. Fortis, roof performance and financial certainty guaranteed. If you work the land, you just got to be a jack-of-all-trades type. There's just too much to do. So if you got to be a welder or a farmer or a ditch digger, that's just who you are that day. Then tomorrow, you can be somebody else. Get your coyote at the new location of Johnston Equipment between Weston and Buckhannon. Back inside the gun here, and we've got a special guest joining us on this edition of ITG. Like Jed and I discussed in the open, kind of a, man, a, a, a landmark day across the sport of football with guys like Pete Carroll, guys like Bill Belichick, uh, no longer going to be head coaches where they've been institutions. Nick Saban at the collegiate level as well, too. Well, joining us now to discuss, he played for Nick Saban in Houston. He's a WVU Sports Hall of Famer, Bo Orlando. Uh, Bo, thank you so much for taking the time here. First team All-American at WVU, uh, part of that 1988 magical season with Major Harris and company. You were a safety for the Mountaineers. Like I said, All-American, sixth-round draft pick, I believe, correct, of, of Houston and, and, and Nick Saban. So, like I said, thank you so much for taking the time to do this. And uh, I guess maybe we could just start here. When I, you know, mention Nick Saban and your time with him, what's what's the first thing that comes to mind? Well, you know, it's it's a funny story because uh, <clears throat> like the combine isn't what <clears throat> is it wasn't what it is now. You know what I mean? So when we used to kind of go over there in West Virginia, we were, you know, it's a little bit like now we never get the respect in, in the in the big picture of the Penn States and the Alabamas and stuff. So uh, so you know, I don't think anybody was uh, we had we were gonna have some players drafted. So when they would when scouts would come over to the uh, show building and go run, we would just kind of wander over and say, hey, "You mind if I run? Mind if I run?" Because nobody's you know names are on their list. So I I ran. So uh, Houston and San Francisco was there, 
I ran and the guy looked at me and he said, Hey, Orlando, come here. And I he said, run again for me. And I ran again. And he said, some, I had you down as a four, seven, five. And he said, you ran four, four, seven and four, four, eight. And I'm like, uh, you know, I, I don't know, you know, it's that. And uh, I said, I don't know if I ever read a four, seven, five. I said, being white, five, 10, 175 pounds. I said, I wasn't playing anywhere with that. And uh, so long story short, two, you know, about two, three weeks go by the draft comes and I'm, uh, <clears throat> or no, before the draft, I'm sorry. So coach Nealon calls me like two weeks later and says, Houston wants to come The DB coach wants to come and run you. <clears throat> so I said, all right. So I show up at the thing, stretching out and getting ready in this one guy, one DB comes out there and just me and him. And you know, as well as I do, like when you do DB drills, when you're backpedaling and running everything, you know, when you have 10, 12 guys in line, it's nice. Cause you get a little breather to get back. <clears throat> well, he's firing me off backpedaling, backpedal, break and break and doing this, catching a ball. But we're out there for about a half an hour. And I think, I think one time I, I fell over. I was just trying to, you know, trying to impress him so much and trying to run so fast. And I think I got one little smirk out of him, you know I mean? He was just real stone faced. And uh, I, I didn't know who the guy was. I mean, he's just running. He was an NFL scout. And uh, so he said, you know, good workout. And he, he talked a little bit. And then, uh, then he went. A couple weeks later, the draft was uh, Saturday comes by. I think it was, I don't know if it started Friday and Saturday, but uh, Sunday I'm there. And I'm, I'm married at the time. I got married before my senior year. And uh, we're, it was around noontime sitting there having breakfast or my pajamas or whatever, you know, me and my wife. And I get a call and it was like, Hey, Bo, this is uh, Coach Saban from the Houston Oilers. And I'm like, yeah. And he's like, we just drafted you in the sixth round. It's not. So that was my, and I just remembered that voice. I mean, that just dry, you know, that dry voice. And I knew it was him, but turned into be the, <clears throat> the goat of college football. And who know, you know, when I was running for him, you know, back then. That's but awesome. uh, he was definitely a, uh, definitely a character boy. So the first thing I got to say, guys, is uh, I'm going to tell the listeners what I told you during the break. If you're my age and you were watching the Mountaineers at Mountaineer Field, Bo Orlando didn't have two names. Bo Orlando had one name. And the <laughs> PA system, each time Bo made a tackle, said the same thing. Stop made by number 22, Borlando. And right now, as we're doing the Zoom call, there's no space between Bo and Orlando. So I got a heck of a chuckle out of starting that. So welcome aboard, Borlando, number 22, Borlando. Let's go here, Bo. Uh, you're part of the Berwick Pipeline. Mm -hmm. And through the years, that's meant so much to West Virginia, whether it was Jake the Snake, whether it was Chaz Pedorko, whether it was Tommy Robsock. I don't want anybody out, but you were a quarterback for the legendary George Curry right. uh, on a USA Today National Championship Berwick team. You mm -hmm. played through the course of your career, high school up through college to the NFL. Look at some of the names you played for. George, George Curry is an absolute icon, not just in Pennsylvania high school circles, oh, but beyond. Absolutely. You played for Don Nealon. The name speaks for itself as a Hall of Famer. You obviously played with the Houston Oilers with Nick as your position coach. You played for Buddy Ryan. I mean, these names I'm throwing out, these right. are some heavy hitters. Absolutely. So if I were to ask you, was there a common thread? How are they alike? How might they have been different? Was there something that these guys shared in common, these names that I just tossed your way, that made them what they were? How are they alike? How are they different? Compared well, to they were they they were i don't know how they were so confident but they were so strict like they had their way or or that was it like in the old days these, these days are a little bit different how you have to coach you know i know as far as being an ad and coaching in high school but 
Um, they were just very strict and it was their way or the highway. And, and, and all of them, I mean, they were very confident what they did. They, they knew their, they knew their shit. I mean, they, they had everything, you know, right down, but like, I had no problem playing for coach Dalen or Nick Saban or buddy Ryan, which a lot of guys did because they were so damn strict. I mean, they were just, you know, buddy Ryan would, would walk by you in the hall with a three, four foot hallway. And he would, and, and he wouldn't, even, you know, Hey coach, how you doing? He wouldn't even say nothing. He would just walk right by you. And he only referred, referred to you as your number. Hardly ever called you Bowie, like eight twenty six, like eight twenty six. You got to move over, you know, twenty six, fifty four. You got, and that's how he graded film. He would say like, if someone screwed up, like, <clears throat> you know, he'd call a six Z, blah blah, whatever defense, and he'd say, uh, you know, seventy two tackle, twenty six dumbass, you know, or if you screwed up, and he, that's how he graded his film, like, okay. and, the thing, and and you just sat there as fear because you know there was, you know, there was week to week. I mean, he'd get rid of people and and. You know, the middle of the week, the end of the week, I mean, come by, you'd have a new, you know, new guy over there playing. And, uh, but like, you know, all of them, I mean, Coach Saban and Coach Curry, I mean, they were just all so strict that you just, you know, your eyes were open and your mouth was shut and you just did what they said. And and I was fortunate to play for, you know, a lot of the goats, as you said, you know what I mean? I mean, I consider Coach Dillon, you know, in college, I mean, what what he did with, with us guys there in, in, in West Virginia was the goat, but Coach Curry definitely was. I mean, I, you know, I was in the pros. There were so many guys that knew, hey, how's George doing? I mean, how many times you're, you know, NFL and everybody's asking how your high school coach is because he coached with those guys or he ran camps with them. And I mean, he's just legendary. And uh, I was I was very fortunate to, to play for them and have the worth ethic. And then, like I said, just, you know, I, I tell my guys now and I refer to my life and, and, and my experiences through, through my guys. And I'm like, listen, you're not going to like everybody you play. They said, but you better respect them and you better play their style in the way they want to do, or you're not going to play. You know what I mean? And just guys, like uh, Bo and I started chatting last night. I had a, a producer uh, for Sirius XM reach out to me asking a West Virginia connection to Nick Saban. And uh, of course I'm thinking Bo, right? And as soon as I said, Bo, he's texting me back and he covered high school football about an hour away from Berwick, five, six years. Right. He knew all about Bo. He knew all about George Curry. So George Curry is a legend. But uh, we're especially fortunate. This is Bo's mom's birthday. So yes, he's on is. here with us for mom's birthday. But That's Owen, i got to drag you in here now, okay? You were an NFL guy. Bo was an NFL guy. And when I make, when somebody makes a boss call and you got big on strong safety, leading out there on the perimeter, fullback smacking heads with a strong safety, you had a little bit different perspective than Bo, so you guys go out in here and compare notes. Offense versus defense, downhill, let's go. Oh, man. Offense versus defense. Uh, I mean, obviously, back, you know, and I'll say probably more so in uh, in Bo's era, but, you know, I still kind of brought some of that uh, tradition as far as physical football um, into my era. Uh, I'd say it'd be it'd be downhill runs, a lot of smash mouth plays. Uh, I mean, I can only imagine the amount of stingers we'd give each other uh, in uh, in practices if we did have to go head to head together. <laughs> you know, and, and, and like like he's saying, uh, you know, back in the day, I mean, <clears throat> I, hell, I remember if our receivers probably had thirty five catches a year, that was a that was a good year for us because first and second down, I mean, you were you you were bashing. I mean, it was lining up. We would do drills. I remember my first year there, I, I came out of high school. I was 155 pounds. And uh, I probably rolled into West Virginia about 160. And, uh, you know, I had to live in a weight room. But I'm going against Wolfley with his 
with his face painted in training camp and they set one cone five yards apart in there. We have to run in there. And I'm, I'm like, I'm packing my bags. I'm like, the hell with this shit here. You know, <laughs> I mean, it was just <laughs> back, back then. I mean, you know, I was telling the, the serious guys when I, when I did the interview, I mean, we had, you know, by the time my senior year, we had 40 guys bench over 400 pounds. We took pride, but I mean, it was, you know, it was not passing. I think they just started bringing in three wide receivers. I mean, all they do is put a slot on the other side and third down. I mean, that was their third down to throw a pass. So it was a different game. And, but, uh, you know, Wes, he, you know, he licked his chops when he sees a little, little guy like me safety. And, 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 and when I, when I heard that boss, man, I, I didn't like that call. You know what I mean? <laughs> so I tried, to, avoid, safety, I tried to go in here. I tried, well, my, my forte was I, I was small, but I had to read things and be a student in the game, I had to read things really quick. So I would get up on them real quick. And then I would kind of like dodge and just try to avoid and just trying to close it down. Because if I sat there and took them head on on time, I, I would have played <laughs> very long. Okay, so, so let's talk about the gamut of emotions that Nick Saban so obviously put you through. All right. Mm -hmm. You were, you're not just in the West Virginia Hall of Fame. You're also in, and there's a Pennsylvania Hall of Fame. Which one is it that you're in up there? Yeah, well, okay, I'm, in so the, I'm into like the area, like the Luzerne, but I'm going, my name's in to be the Pennsylvania right now. There's a thing. There, okay. I couldn't remember what they called that, but I, I knew you were inducted. So, so let, let, let's, let's look at it like this. Uh, when you played for Nick, Mm -hmm. at Houston first of all people forget just he took a chance or Houston took a chance that defensive staff took a chance on a 5 10 175 pound safety out of West Virginia they saw something in you right you were part of a nasty defensive backfield Chris Dishman walk us through who you played along what Nick Saban meant to you I understand you had a nickname Nick the prick, all right. So yeah, Nick, a little well, nickname I'm, for Nick. Him, and yeah. you so you had that nickname for him, but he's the same guy that all these years later you're inducted in this hall of fame and he reaches out with a cool message. I mean, to me, that's coaching, right? Yeah, they, they they sent out they, you know, they sent out to him the guys that were uh uh doing it and he, and he sent back a ball and everything like that. And I listen, I have the you know, back then we were young and, and this and that, but um, like I said, I had no problem playing for Nick because Coach Curry was as strict as they come, you know, and uh, so when I played, I had a problem, but we had problems. I remember, I remember coming into, you know, into uh, the meetings after we'd watch, pra we'd watch practice after practice for like a half hour. And uh, we had a couple of DBs and, uh, you know, some of those guys had a tough time with, with, with Nick because he was, he was tough and he was on every little, whether your step was here or over here and here. And, and it taught me a lot because, you know, coach Dunlap was a good coach, but we didn't get into a lot of technique like I did with Nick. Nick was a, a DB yeah. specialist and uh, we get into meetings and, those guys, man, those guys gave him a hard time. Gave, gave the kid. He was a young guy at the time. So those guys were veterans that gave him a hard time. One time he came in there, a guy had a towel over his head and he, he didn't like Nick and they had, you know, words. And uh, he, he said, Richard, I'm not starting. I'm not starting this film until you take the towel off. And I mean, it took him five, 10 minutes and we're like, come on, Richard, Jesus Christ, we want to go home, you know, and blah, 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 you know, and it took, you know, and then he would take the towel off. It was uh, Richard Johnson. He was a corner for the. Uh, I remember Richard Johnson. Wow. Yeah. Okay. That's... And, and I mean, Walter <laughs> McDowell, Richard Dishman. I mean, we just had some. We had some characters in there, and uh, you know, and and in the pros, you're different. You're 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 men. You have families. I mean, you're different, and yeah. and you, you go at it. I mean, I, you know, Cincinnati. We I'm one of the players went after the coaches, and then we had to, you know diving in, diving on them, the, you know, going after the coach. So. You know, you, you know, you're men in that league and there's some things that happen that, that people don't know, uh, you know, going out. But uh, but Nick, Nick was tough. But like I said, I had no problem because I played for Coach Nealon, you know, you know, uh, George Curry and Nick Saban. So to me, it was just like 
who's another coach, but to those guys, man, they just, they despise, but, but, you know, it's just like I told, you know, coach Curry, when I got done playing for him and I got to know him as a man and kind of hang out like what he did for me uh, and, and what he did for all of us, he made us young men is what he did. He did, you know, it went far beyond football. Uh, he made us young men because I use that in everyday life. All the, you know, if you weren't 15, 20 minutes earlier, half an hour earlier, you weren't early at all. You were late. And, uh, you know, this and that, the hard work, the dedication, you were down there every day. I got kicked out of the field house one day because my hair was too long. You told me to go get a haircut. I'm the quarterback of our national championship team. And I'm walking out of the field house with my head between my, my you know, <laughs> my legs. And I'm like, holy shit, you know, and, and this, this is how they were. I mean, they ran a tight ship and that's why they were so successful because of the little things. And, um, you know, he said, you always take care of the little things and big things take care of themselves. And uh, so they never tell. West Virginia stories. Talk to you about when you played at West Virginia, the connection, in other words, him growing up here, him coaching there so many years before you playing there. Did he ever bring that up? Not too much because like I said, Nick was, I, I was a rookie, you know, and Nick was a, he was a young, he was a young coach there, you know what I mean? And, uh, you know, going out from Belichick when they split off. So he was kind of a young guy himself trying to establish himself. So we never really got into that because his, his personality now wasn't what it was back then. I mean, now, you know, Jed, you know, our good friend, Chaz Florico. I mean, Chaz sends me videos and, and Chaz is kind of like a life coach, does consulting, does all kind of things. He sends yeah. me so many videos of Nick Saban. Nick Saban's got some great talks and such a great oh, he does, yeah. speaker. I mean, unbelievable. he wasn't like that. He was actually like very quiet and he was just to the point, you know, the point of your feet here, your feet here. So he wasn't like his boisterous and how he was now he was that's why we called him Nick the you know Nick the prick you know <laughs> kind of, you but, but the respect you know it's like you know it, it, it's like I told coach Curry like hey listen when I played for you I hate everybody hated you you hated playing for you but when you got out and you see what the you know the, the things and, and um, the characteristics and everything you put into all of us like I'm very very grateful and the same thing with Nick I mean Nick was tough but like I said I never really had any run-ins I was always did what he said because I, you know, he was a professional coach and that's the way I was brought up, you know, listen to your coach, keep your mouth shut and everything. So, uh, but he was, oh, I don't know what you did after your rookie year in the NFL, but I, I want you to tell us what you did after Bo tells us what he did. He spent a year on the taxi squad with the Oilers. Right. Mm -hmm. And then Stan, correct me if I'm wrong. You went back home to Berwick. Right. Right. And you took a job doing what? That wise food. Because we now forget, we were the through first, that. You're in the NFL, by the way. So we were the first. We were the first uh, developmental squad when they had developmental squad. We were the very first uh, group to do it my year, and okay. they paid us thousand okay. dollars a week. So I made sixteen. Well, you know, I had a little sign above everything, but it wasn't nowhere. It was twenty five thousand. That goes real, real quick going through. You know, with your wife and kids, and uh, <clears throat> and I, I came home that off season. I worked at Wise Food, and then I finally realized. And I think my agent uh, talked to me. I was there for like two weeks and I hated it. I absolutely hated it. And uh, uh, he said, you, you know, you could collect, you know, for things. So I started collecting and then I just started working out to go back for a team. So, yeah, I mean, Nick know you worked there? what's that? Did Nick know you were working there? No, this was after this was after after there because I was on the developmental the first year with Nick. I got you. I got you. And then he left the next year and then he I think he went to Cleveland. 
Did he go to? I think he went to Cleveland. Yeah, after he Houston, went, yeah. he went to. He was head coach at Toledo for a year before going to Cleveland. Oh, so he, oh, okay. then he was went a gap from there, head coach okay. there at Toledo and then Cleveland and then and then his uh, and then his. So oh, you didn't work for Mr. B after your rookie year, did you? Did you take a job with Mr. B potato chips no. or no? I didn't. No, no, it was just why. <laughs> Is that where you were? <laughs> <laughs> that's hilarious. Oh, that's hysterical. Uh, People so, just so, look at the glam, you know. That's all. Bo, I got to know. Last one. I last one. I got to ask you. So you mentioned Ron Wolfley there a few minutes ago. Um, I don't know if Jed told you this, but funny connection. So I work for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Um, okay. and kind of my, you know, my 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 real job, my day job, right. if you will. Um, and I work every single day with Craig Wolfley, who's who's Ron's brother, right? right? Who, yep. I mean, if you've met one of them, you've met both of them. They're Absolutely. very similar people. Yeah. Yeah. So, so Ron was just about a month ago. The Cardinals played the Pittsburgh Steelers here in Pittsburgh, right? And so. Greg was like, I got to introduce, you know, uh, you're the, you're the WVU guy here in Pittsburgh. Like, right. you know, my brother, Ron, like I got to, int- so I was really excited to meet Ron. So it's before right. the Steelers Cardinals game and I'm chatting with him and, you know, picking his brain and asking him all these things. And, you know, he's saying to me, he's like, I, I really wish I could get back to Morgantown more often. It's just, you know, I live in Arizona. I work right. in the NFL. It's just, you know, it's almost impossible to get a weekend in Morgantown when my job revolves around the Cardinals. But I said something to him about like, what do you miss most? Or what do you think about most? Like, I forget exactly how I word him the question. And he just kind of smiled and he looked at me and he went, the fight song. And I was like, <laughs> I was like, what, what, do you, what do you mean the fight song? He goes, he goes, Wes, I just, I love it so much. It's West Virginia. It's West Virginia, <laughs> the pride of every mountain. And we're sitting in the cafeteria at the Steelers stadium and he's singing the fight song, right? So, That's what, well, you want to talk about somebody that was tuned in. So we go to play, I'm in Houston. We go to play, uh, it's my second or third year. So oh, we I noticed to Listen, he's, he's with Cleveland. You know, and I'm thinking, you know, and every time like you go on a new team, you know, you have your boys playing there, they played against them, you know, with sure, the, sure. West Virginia. And hey, here's my boy Wolf, you know. So I go to Cleveland, I go, what he's all painted up, and I go out, and this is like two hours before the game, you know. I go out and I'm like, I'm gonna talk to Wolf. You know, I like I was a freshman who was a senior, but we played the whole year. And uh, you know, Wolf, how you doing? He gives me hey, like a nod, and he's like all like channeled in, like running down the field. I'm like, dude, what the hell? Like, you know. <laughs> But that, that's but Ron's Ron's then after the you know after the game we talk and that's Wolf but sure. that was that was the Wolf boys I mean they had you know just like Dale too cut off flannel shirts the boots yep. I mean yep. that's that's what they were no matter what and they were uh, they were some tough uh, SOBs boy that's for sure I love it I love it so like, what is it what is it for you like when you think of WVU yeah, football question. when you think of Morgantown what's that first thing that comes to mind for you God you know I um. I don't know. Like, like I told these guys earlier, I said, <clears throat> I made so many mis- decisions in my life and it's the best decision I've ever made. I mean, the people in West Virginia, I mean, I've had the connections with all the time and come back and like, I come back for Joseph's tournament in the summer and I spend four or five days there on cheat Lake. Uh, you know, like I said, the people to me were just fantastic. I mean, I, I wouldn't change it for the world. And, and what, you know, <clears throat> I was, I was thinking, referring back to my, uh, and I know I'm sure we get back to the 88 team, but you know, you're, you're talking about guys like I came in 155, you know, I'm, I'm a quarterback, hardly played a little bit of defense, coming to defense. Uh, you have Mike Fox. I think Mike Fox probably weighed 235 when he came in, 6'7", 6'8". Uh, Pat Marlette was 
you know, two and a quarter. Uh, you know, Ronaldo Turnbull, nobody even knew who, who the hell Ronaldo was. He's from the islands. He had one offer. You know, he was telling us the story because we went to dinner when we came in for there with Lee Javins and, and, uh, <clears throat> and we're talking to some guys. And, um, you know, looking back now and how all those guys evolved and became in the NFL and players that they were. So they took a chance and they mended, you know, the, to, to Coach Nealon's credit. He mended all these guys, and then we ended up playing, you know, I'm playing for the national championship and starting the run of, you know, we, we hope we had, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of input of what West Virginia is today, helped building all, you know, that stadium and everything today. That's and all those guys. I mean, it's, um, it's, but I, 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 you know, I, I, it's like anything else, you know, I mean, I, when I'm getting ready to go to West Virginia, like it goes so fast because I'm so pumped up to get there when yep. I'm driving yep. and, <laughs> You know, you go over Cheat Lake, you know, my, my, you know, the hair on my arm start to stand yep. up. Like all my boys are there and like all the familiarity. Like I, I almost moved there before I moved to Bethel, my last spot. I almost, I almost moved. There. Oh, really? So much. Yeah. Uh, we I were thinking I, knew about that. I retired. I had a house here in Berwick and I was going back and forth to Cincinnati, moving my kids, you know, halfway through the year school wise. And then I retired here and I was like, man, I don't want, you know, stay in Berwick. There's not a lot of industry and everything. And I almost moved to West Virginia was there. Or, and then I ended up moving to uh, Bethlehem, Pennsylvania an hour and a half. Cause we right, have here's a the question. Owen, you and Bo both have to answer this. Wes, we're sitting here and you don't often get to do this. If you ask a thousand Mountaineer fans, name the three greatest teams in the history of West Virginia football. I know two, they're going to surface on that list. Right. <clears throat> Owen right. was on one of them. Bo was on the other guys. The 1988 Mountaineers oh, marched geez. onto the field on an October afternoon to square <laughs> off against the 2007 Mountaineers. Walk me through what happens. Oh boy, that's uh, <laughs> we'd have to put that in the simulator. Absolutely, <laughs> and like you, like you said, I mean, you you brought back the old school. They kind of got away from you know uh, the, the tight end a little bit and the H back, but like you brought when you came in and you went back to the old school. So. Uh, so that that was that part, but the passing game was just a total different for us. I don't know if we can handle the passing game, but then again, I don't know if their defense would just smash mouth. We just ran down hit. You know what I mean? So it's two different types of. Uh, types of yeah, things. you're talking about going against. I mean, what did those guys average on the old? I mean, because significantly it was kind of different. Obviously, the offense from when Bo was. Um, was playing in West Virginia was you guys had a bunch of beef up front. Absolutely. You know, we were more of a zone scheme team. So we ran uh, kind of light in the ass up front, a little more uh, quote unquote, what the coaches would say athletic, right? The right. 280 pounder guys. Right. Um, but I'd, I'd say it would be, uh, it'd be fun to watch both offenses. Absolutely. Uh and I'm sure you would see a lot of great hitting on defense. Yeah, a- absolutely. I mean, like like you said, it's so hard to you have to go to similar because like it's a different era of balls, and even like yeah. it's hard. To, you know, it's just like when they compare mm-hmm. Jordan to uh, to LeBron. I mean, it's such a different game now, and like these guys throw the ball 40, 50 times a game. Not that they they threw it, but um, it's a little bit different. But uh, but like like I said, I you know we we both like watching each other and, and, and I bleed blue and gold. I mean, and, uh, uh, whatever. I don't like to compare my own. It's like playing against your own guys. Like we hated spring ball because, you know, we had to hit each other, you know I mean? I yeah, want to hit. They're being all political about it this West. Like I talked to Owen earlier today 
And he told me Jed, that he's Jed's got a whole binder. I know Jed on him. That's what he told Jed me. Could talk, Jed Whoa, could talk for an dude. hour. Jed Whoa. could talk for an hour. Jed's got a whole binder on. Well, Jed. here's what 1988 <laughs> would do well. And then 2007 would respond. And then Jeff Castile would have done this, right? Yeah. And Don Nealon would have answered in this way. Earlier today, Owen told me he dropped 40 on that 88 team. And then a couple <laughs> hours ago, Bo's like, we'd have forced him into so many third longs. I'd have picked Pat White off twice and forced the fumble. And where's all that? Oh, well, you guys were telling me that earlier. Where is it now? You know? See, we're too, we're, I know we're not very smart football players, but we're not smart to, to fall for that stuff, Jed. That's right. That's right, Jed. Yeah, come on now. No, I I love it. This this has been a lot of fun. I don't know if you guys have any last any last things for Bo, but but that's been it for me, man. We really appreciate your time here. Yeah, I mean, I have one. I have one question for you. I think what, and I know the time was kind of brief, but what would you say would be maybe something that you kind of took from Nick as far as going, you know, career? You know, now you're an AD, maybe you instilled some things or whatever. What would just that one little piece that you maybe stole from? Not stole, but like right. Well, I I can tell you this: when I went through, you know, and um. And Coach Dunlap was a great coach. You know, Coach was a linebacker coming through coaching DBs. But, you know, when I got to Nick, I mean, it was every little step and every little detail, you know, on right arm, left arm. Like, it was just little things pulling here and pulling there, you know, just little tricks of the trade that um, I became more of a technician because I wasn't a big guy. You know, I played probably – Probably five years, five years out of my uh, my ten year career at one seventy five in the NFL as a safety. And I lived in a weight room. I was a four hundred pound bencher, but I, I was the last one in there. I had to because I couldn't gain weight. Uh, I remember Al Johnson used to give me cases of Substacal, like the exceed, you know, the senior drink. We pound it up. I just I still couldn't gain weight. But you know, one thing I I, I pass on to that to um, to Coach Saban is I, I'm a technician, so I've been coaching in high school for over twenty years. Um, so I'm not a big scheme guy, sort of speak. We we just hired a new coach. Actually, we Jed, we just hired Coach Curry's grandson. Um, is going to be our head on coach. that, and he is he's he's young, but I tell you what, he's got he's got a lot of characteristics of his uh, of his grandfather. He's got he's got a motivational like these kids these days. It's tough to coach these guys and. Uh, one thing I bring is I'm, I'm, I coach my DBs. And even when I coach linebackers, I'm a technician. I'm, I'm reading your keys, reading the office. Like, don't look in the backfield, you know, do this. You got to read your keys, read it. They're going to take you everywhere. So um, that's one thing from Nick. I just watching film and, and doing that little thing, every little step and every little detail, like on, especially on defense, because you don't know where you're going. So you, so the, you know, everything takes you to everything. So that was one thing from Nick because I'm a, I'm a very, very detailed technician guy. I can play in any scheme you want. I cover two. You want to, you want to trail, you want to do this. You want to sink back on, you know, if number two releases and whatever, I can coach whatever you want because I'm a technician. So I just read your keys. So that's, that's how I've become. And that's how I've coached. And I've been, you know, fairly successful in, in my high school career over, over 20 years. So. That's the beauty of, that's the beauty of technique. Uh, it's uh when, when those master it the way you did, I mean, it's it's universal. You can kind of plug and play in any system. And, and you know, you bounced around to a handful of different teams when you left oh. Houston, and I'm sure that served you well on doing that. I'm going to close, Bo, with two questions. One, I'm dying to know, as precise and focused as Coach Saban was with those techniques, can you think of a time, I'm sure you can think of several, but is one standout where he just absolutely lit you up when you came off the field <laughs> that's question one 
Were you a half step off? What was it? Was there a story? Hey, you're playing Joe Montana and the Chiefs, and you should have done this, and you did that. And as a result, the backside post was a – try and think of a time when that might have happened more so than normal, because I'm sure he was full of times he lit you up. But the other thing I'd want you to answer also, what was your initial reaction when you did hear the news? that he's hanging it up at 72 when a lot of people thought he had a lot left in the tank, but he gave some of his reasons today. But what was your initial reaction in hearing the news? And well, he obviously went out on top. He was in the final yeah. four. So yeah. talk about those two things. I mean, I mean, you know, first of all, I really never had any run-ins like, like with him, like, like with that, because like, like, like I said, with all the guys there giving him a hard time, like I was kind of like his little protege. So I did whatever he wanted. So he was never really that bad to me. So he was very, you know, very nice to me. I, I hated had, you. Like, I had a great, great relationship. With him. But, you know, on the other aspect of you know, like of him retiring, I mean, my God, a guy's 72 years old. I think a little part, I mean, he's the GOAT obviously of everything he's won everywhere he went his he's became such a motivational speaker uh such a motivational guy um i know that he works very hard i've i've had some coaches that work for him and 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 you know i said uh, a db coach that was working i won't mention any names and he was a friend of me he coached me in the nfl and he worked for he was the db coach for alabama and i said did uh did uh nick help you out a lot at db he goes help me out he goes, I was this little do boy. He coached DBs. He said, you know what I mean? So that's how, that's how involved he was <laughs> in coaching. You know what I mean? That's how, that's how involved he was. And, uh, and, and defense was, was his forte, but, uh, but going out, I mean, this NIL and, and this, uh, this, the transfer portal was just, I, I, I just think it ruined college football. The NCAA has no clue what they did. They should have put a cap on everything. Hey, if you want to, pay a guy $4 million. He has to graduate before he gets that cap and, and play in a bowl game and sign. I mean, it's kind of a joke now of what you're doing. I mean, you're going to see the teams like Texas with oil and gas money. I mean, of course they're going to get the players on there. You know what I mean? I wouldn't be surprised if some Alabama's players get on the transfer portal, you know, when Nick is going, oh, yeah. who's going to coach there. You know, you got, you got Georgia, you got all his proteges out there, Georgia, all his coaches, you know, I won't be surprised. They, either that or better hurry up and name some some big name coach here. But <laughs> it's like it's like coming here for Coach Curry though. Like for the first, you know, four or five coaches. I mean, you know, I, the first thing I had to do when I became AD was was hire a coach. And I'm looking across at George Curry. None of them me were even close. You know what I mean? And and um, you know that's something Nick's gonna. You know, everybody's gonna compare everything to Nick for the next couple of years. You know, it's going to be hard to go in there and go into the feet and win national championship your first year at Alabama. Yeah. You know what I mean? If you don't keep the players. So um, definitely an icon. And then, like I said, he's grown so much like, uh, like, like speaking motivational and everything. I mean, he has, you know, not, nothing, not, nothing to prove the guy's made a boatload of money. Um, I think he's going out on top. Like you, like you said, you want to go out on top. You don't want to go out and be forced out, um, but you want to go out on top. And, uh, you know, and I, and I, I just think he's ready for it. He's got, I think he has two daughters. I'm sure he's got grandkids. And uh, like I said, 70 years old to be, you know, 72 to be in this college at NIL and all these things you have to put up with, with the kids. Right. And them. I, I just think he's in, he's in, there's a lot of old school coaches that have, they're having a hard time. Look at, Look at I can stay for a different sport. I think that's why the uh, Calipari retired from Villanova. I didn't know Villanova can hold up paying everybody. They're not as yeah. big school as, as some of them. And you know, quite frankly, those guys are with their hand out. Like who gets the most money? And I think that just I think it just ruined college football. To tell you the truth, and then part of it, Bo, 
a guy like Nick only has one speed. And at 72, it gets more difficult to sustain that and put in the grind that he knows no other way. So it's not Absolutely. like he can idle down and delegate. I mean, he only knows. Is, do you think that's part of it? I, I, I think so. I think it's a little bit of the portal, a little bit of NIL, and I just think that he knows what it is. And you can't coach those guys like you coach, like yeah. me, you know, like you, you can't do that yeah. anymore. You know what I mean? And uh, I know it's prevalent in high school. I mean, hell, our numbers, numbers are dropping. I mean, you got to coach Joey different than Billy and different than this. He comes from a different yeah. background. And back in the day, you know, if you didn't play there, you hit the highway. It was, it was their way or, you're, yeah. you know, now it's, now it's a little bit different. I think, um, you know, Nick has the respect for that, but I think all that comes into play. I think the, the guys are different. You know, what are you, what are you going to tell a, a, a college guy? I mean, when we got $20 in college, God, my God, that was a lot of hamburgers, a lot of 70 cent hamburgers. You know I mean? We were, you know, we were poor, you know, going to school there and getting no money. Um, what do you, what do you tell a guy making a couple hundred thousand, you know what I mean? Or a million dollars in there, you, you're coaching and telling go, go, you know, screw yourself, Nick. Like, what are you, yeah. what are you going to do? What are you going to do? You know, and the pros is a little bit different story, but college, I, I just, I don't know. I, I have a, you know, I, I guess we're old school, Jed, you know what I mean? And we're, we're used to the, Hey, you know, it, it ruined the rivalries in college. I mean, there is no rivalries. It's who's paying the most money is who's going to be the best teams. It's not the, the recruiting. So guys, we were joined by one of the all-time greats who played for one of the all-time greats, played for several all-time greats. And yeah. Bo, we you certainly not, appreciate you didn't mention, your time. You didn't mention Bill Cower there in your, Cower. In your list. Well, I got, I got the chin. <laughs> I, I did get the chin, Jed. You know, I got them coming off did the you? side. We're, we, I was on a punt team. I came down. And uh, or no, the punt return and a, and a ball was you know bouncing around and some guys were trying to shove me on a pile and I, they almost they almost got me like you know for a fumble and I came off and he gave me he gave me the chin going out like that and I just I stuck my head down and I just walked right past him right back to the sideline but he had the chin on me but he was I, I Bill was a real good guy he, he was I was a ten year veteran at the time when I got there and he was uh, Bill was that's was awesome that's so, awesome this was awesome. Bo, we know you're you're busy and you got a million things going on. Thank you so much for taking the time. This was a lot of fun. We really appreciate it. Absolutely. Always time. Wes, good seeing your brother. You can Jed. You as you well. Guys, any anytime, guys. Always a pleasure. Thanks, so much, brother. Appreciate it. Appreciate it. Decade in Later, the guys. NFL, WVU Hall of Famer, Bo Orlando. Wow. Great stuff with him, as always. Thank you, Bo. We appreciate it. Uh, that'll do it, folks, for this edition of ITG. Final thank yous to our friends at Fortis for roof performance and financial certainty guaranteed. Make sure you visit Fortis.us.com. Also to Johnson Equipment as well, too. Our new friends of the show, make sure you're checking out their new location in Weston right off of Route 33. That was a lot of fun. Good job. Hey, Jed, good job producing the show today and, 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 and getting yeah, the guests. Good, good, yeah. pr good producing with the book into the guests here. Well done. Well, here's how stupid I am. Uh, it took the brain trust at SiriusXM calling, asking for a WVU for you Nick Saban like, connection. Oh, when I'm like, wait a minute, why don't I have Bo on today? Well, I was like, are you it's, kidding it's, me? It, it took him mentioning Ron Wolfley for me to be like, oh, yeah, me and Bo do have a connection. Bring up the Wolf Brothers yeah. here. That'll get some good there you talk go. out Perfect. of Perfect. So. Bo is terrific. He's uh. Uh, those Berwick guys, I, I, you know, they're my boys. I mean, from Chaz to yeah, uh, Bo's a great guy. Jake's a great guy. Rob Sock and I go way back. So it, just what a fun crew and what a fun cycle of talent. There was such an infusion of talent from Berwick. All those guys played the legendary George Curry. You talk about, you heard Bo, what reverence they hold Coach Curry in for good reason. Uh, but yeah, can you imagine the experience of playing for one of the iconic high school coaches in the history of the country, 
who was multiple, multiple, you know, two time, three time, whatever it was, national champion, playing for Coach Nealon, playing for crazy. Bill Cower, playing for Nick Saban, playing for Buddy, Buddy Ryan. Ryan. It's just yeah. crazy. His frames of reference, That's but. Awesome. Yeah, and I want maybe you can relate to it in the way that we even can't, but because of your experience in the NFL. But that was, I thought that was terrific. You had good stuff. Yeah. No, that was a lot of fun. Oh, man. Bo's a great guy, man. I, I met him, uh, well, doing through the uh, Joswiak stuff. Yep. Um, and uh, it's just been really cool uh, in general meeting all those, uh, you know, teams from the past. And obviously, uh, I'm well on my way to uh, over a decade plus out. So <laughs> I'm one of those as well now, one of those You're old an elder. relics. You're an elder statesman yourself, buddy. Yes, I'm one of those old relics now. So uh, it's been awesome. And Bo's such a great guy. Actually, Bo, uh, he can he can play the skins. He can play, he can play the drums pretty well. Nice. And uh, usually during uh, that that Joe's we act deal in the summertime. We usually jam one song together uh, oh, at the, Jed, at the, Jed, we got Jed, we got to get, we got to get tickets. Time. We got to get tickets to the Orlando Schmidt, uh, uh, jam session. I tell you what, I want some, Hey, big O I want some floor seats. All right. Don't, don't screw <laughs> me here. All right. No, it's Orlando always a good time, Schmidt. man. And, and those guys are such, I mean, you know, what was really great. Uh, just kind of listening to some of his st story too, was, um, undersized player uh, gets noticed through basically a crack shot deal that, you know, some guys come and watch somebody else and he ends up, you know, getting on the radar. And then, you know, the technician guys, those are the guys you see, you know, just – you know, make break the odds always. It's like, you know, you got a guy here playing, uh, you know, safety at 170 pounds, soaking wet, uh, doing everything he can to eat PB and J's to keep the weight on. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, through technique and discipline, which is, you know, really the background of Coach Saban, um, you know, has a, an illustrious 10 year plus career in the NFL. Yeah. They force I mean, you to be perfect, don't they? Yeah. And I mean, if in like, I loved what he was saying. It's like, you know, it's, <clears throat> it's unfortunate that in today's world, kids are, you know, let me, let me just even like go farther on beyond that. Kobe Bryant said, I love the process of practice because I knew no matter how hard I put in work, I would never be perfect. Perfect was unattainable. Right. But it was always fun to kind of strive for that perfection and it's like kids just don't really understand that there's a there's a, de a discipline and a technique to uh creating great habits and and uh which you know like he said went from not just football but turned us into men and and beyond so um really cool stuff man jed knocked it out of the park today hey last of last of a dying breed our new friend of the show, Bo Orlando. Like I said, decade in the NFL, WVU Hall of Famer, All-American, part of that team that, that played Notre Dame in the national championship game with Major and, and all the boys. So great, uh, great to have him on the show here. We enjoyed it. Hope you guys enjoyed it. Uh, that'll do it for this edition of ITG. We'll be back next week. It'll be, you know, the schedule will be a little different. We won't have the, the typical rollout like we always do, but we'll still be with you every week here, uh, keeping you updated, uh, recruiting, portal stuff, 
into the offseason. We'll get into spring ball in a couple months. It's all going on. Uh, oh, one more portal thing that we didn't mention at the start, Jed. Nico Markiel committing to the Country Roads Trust, uh, which is obviously a big one. You got your guy in Garrett Green. You got your future in Nico, and that is very hard to secure in this day and age of NIL and everybody jumping ship. So loved seeing that news earlier that uh, that Great Nico is, is, is signed and committed. Wanted to make sure we mentioned that as well too uh for our producer skylar callahan for our new friend Bo orlando the signal caller jed drenning and the runaway beer truck down the sideline owen schmidt i am wesley euler the one thing we ask of you as always before we get out of here is to be an ear and tell an ear about your new favorite wvu football podcast for the boys i'm wes take care now bye bye then you've been in the gun Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.